My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 28th of November. I'm Sam. I'm Zara. The federal government has announced its response to the destruction of Jukun Gorge. We acknowledge that we have to do better. We are committed to doing so in partnership with First Nations Australians. The destruction of the sacred site by Rio Tinto in 2020 shocked the world. The destruction of the 46,000-year-old Aboriginal heritage site shows the irreversible damage caused by Rio Tinto when it blew up the ancient Jukun Gorge rock caves in Australia's remote Pilbara region. So in today's deep dive, we're going to look at what role the government played in the disaster and what they're going to do about it moving forward. But first, Sam, take us through the headlines. Well, I think we should start with the Victorian election and Labor has been returned for a third term in office under Premier Daniel Andrews. Andrews is now on track to become Victoria's longest serving Labor Premier. It was a poor result for the Liberal Party, but a good night for the Greens and the Nationals. Liberal Party leader Matthew Guy announced he will stand down as opposition leader. Two women who accused the late businessman Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse have now launched legal action against two major banks for missing, quote, red flags about their client and benefiting from Epstein's sex trafficking operation. JP Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank face unspecified financial damages in the case, which will play out in New York. A great result yesterday for the Melbourne Demons. They took out the 2022 AFLW season, beating the Brisbane Lions 19-15. The Lions led for the first half of the game, but the Demons fought back to claim their first AFLW premiership. It means the Demons are now the first club to win both an AFL and AFLW flag. And some good news for your Monday morning. The European Space Agency has announced former British Paralympic sprinter John McFall as the first ever para-astronaut in a major step towards allowing people with physical disabilities to work and live in space. The agency selected McFall as part of a new cohort of 17 recruits picked for the astronaut training. I just don't know how to really explain how I feel because we've lost a hell of a lot of connection to this area. Very heartbreaking, I can say that. When I got there this morning, like coming out in the bus as well, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I didn't realise how much our country's being destroyed. Sandra Hayes is one of the traditional owners of the Jukun Gorge. After Rio Tinto destroyed the sacred site in 2020, the PKKP Aboriginal Council released this video of the Butul Ginti Gurama and Binigura peoples responding to their loss. The proof has been found that our people have had connection to this area way beyond 46,000 years, and then Rio goes and destroys it. They say they didn't know about all this. They knew. They knew. (laughs) 
Sam, when we're usually having these types of conversations, I'm asking you to take us to the very beginning of a story to set the context and then to take us through the story. But with this one, I think that it's important to highlight the end, which was the destruction of a site of huge historical significance. And that took place in the Pilbara region of WA. It's where the Jukun Gorge has sacred significance for the Butu, Gunti, Gurama and Binigura peoples, which are two distinct peoples who both have an interest in this sacred place. A cave that was destroyed at the gorge was a source of a major archaeological finding, providing evidence of human life going back at least 46,000 years, which is among the oldest evidence of life ever to be found on the continent. The site also provided a 4,000-year-old genetic link to present-day traditional owners, and Rio Tinto blasted it all in 2020. The immediate question that comes up when we hear about this is, did they know that it was a sacred site? Well, traditional owners say that Rio Tinto had known about the significance of the site for years. And in fact, Rio Tinto engaged an archaeologist to carry out excavations over a decade before this in 2008. And that archaeologist found that the sites were of high significance and recommended the cave we spoke about in particular be protected. Now, traditional owners also raised alarm bells with Rio Tinto in the months and weeks leading up to the disaster. But the company pressed forward with their plans. How does Rio Tinto, a huge company, you know, that has heaps of shareholders and international scrutiny, how do they justify that? Well, the mining company apologised to the traditional owners and said they're determined to learn from what happened there. Now, they haven't faced any criminal penalties and maintain that they received legal approval from the Western Australian government for their plans. We'll be back in just a moment. But first, a message from our sponsor. If Rio Tinto says that they had the WA government's approval, what is the government's role then in protecting sites like the Gorge? So in 2021, a federal parliamentary committee found inadequate regulations at the state and federal level had contributed to its destruction. And I think it's useful here, Zara, to split the findings into state and federal levels. Okay, so can you start with state then? Well, state and territory governments have this primary responsibility for protecting culturally significant sites. If we zoom into Western Australia, Rio Tinto had to apply for government consent, which it did. But the parliamentary committee found WA's process lacked what they say is rigour and authorities didn't do basic due diligence. But this failure wasn't a one-off. The destruction of cultural sites was alarmingly common in the state. They said there was no consistency in state laws and that the states have failed. All right, so that is the states, but you also said that the federal government is involved as well in these sorts of decisions, right? Yeah, they've got an interesting role. They're kind of positioned to be the last resort in terms of cultural protection in cases where state and territory protection doesn't quite meet the standard that we're looking for. In order for the federal government to come into play, traditional owners need to directly apply to the federal environment minister for assistance, and that can only happen when all other state and territory pathways have been attempted first. So the committee concluded these laws were limited as a means of protecting cultural heritage and were insufficient for the purpose of protecting the Jukun Gorge. I mean, that sounds like a pretty scathing account of the current system. Were there actionable recommendations made in this report about how to do better, how to avoid a situation like this happening again? We got eight recommendations from the report. It's things like legislating a completely new national framework, the mapping of cultural sites so we actually know where they are, harsher penalties all on the underlying principle of free, prior and informed consent. 
Green Senator Lydia Thorpe, a Japaran Gunai Gundichimara woman, sat on the committee and made additional recommendations in the parliamentary committee report as well. Now, what she said was that traditional owners should have the power to veto projects. She said truly free, prior and informed consent includes the possibility of consent not being provided. And the reason that it's back in the news cycle is because at the end of last week, we heard the government's response, their official response to these recommendations. What did the government say? So we heard from Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek, who delivered a formal response to the report in Parliament. These reports tell the story of Duke and Gorge, but they also tell the much bigger story of our national failure on Indigenous cultural heritage. We have to remember that this was legal desecration. No laws were broken here. Instead, we have an entire system frustrating the interests of Indigenous history and culture. The government has accepted seven out of the eight recommendations made in the report. It's now up to the government to develop laws to put these seven into place. They'll be developed by the First Nations Heritage Protection Alliance, Minister for Indigenous Australians Linda Burney, Special Envoy for Reconciliation Pat Dodson and Environment Minister Tanya Plipsek. Okay, but there you've said seven out of eight. So there's one that the government hasn't accepted? Yeah, and that's the recommendation that all issues relating to Indigenous cultural heritage come under the responsibility of the Minister for Indigenous Australians, who's Linda Burney at the moment. Currently, the way that this works is that it falls under the Minister for Environment, Tanya Plibersek. Now, the government says it's working through this recommendation to determine who's the best place minister to respond in this area. Now, in terms of Senator Thorpe's recommendations, the government did agree in principle with her comments, but they didn't specifically touch on this question of veto powers for traditional owners. Thanks for joining us on The Daily Oz. If you learnt something from today's episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so that there's a TDA episode waiting for you every weekday morning. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, have a great day.